0: amen 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 on that god is good can i have a witness in the house lord you are good Mm. amen praise the lord thanks tom thanks worship team thank you uh, everybody for obeying the spirit of god and during worship and i love it when the manifestations of the spirit take place in our services and and uh, the Bible says that we're to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> so, Father, we thank you for today. I thank you, God, for an economy of words. Help me to go in the direction you want me to go. Help me not to go where you don't want me to go. God, I just give my strength away. And the gift that you've placed inside of me, the God, that it would, it would help edify the building up of the body of Christ for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Just a couple housekeeping things. Um, <clears throat> in case you were have tried to call me or text me in the last two days and you have not gotten a response from me, I want you to know my phone is not working. <laughs> so I am not holding you up or stiffing you or not communicating to you for a reason. Please don't see that, but uh, Verizon thought they had it fixed. They didn't have it fixed and now it's blinking again and I can only receive um, emails on my phone. So. Just FYI, if you're waiting for a response, it may be tomorrow afternoon. (laughs) So praise the Lord. I thank God for his word. How about you guys? His word is alive. It's active. It is what helps to edify and build us up. It is what is to teach us. And so today, I just warn you, I am not going to get done with today's message. Um, And I'm okay with that. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm not saying that I'm going to go long, but if you do need to leave before I get done, feel free. I will not be offended at all. Uh, I realize we're on fall break, um, and my purpose is not to go long. Um, I'm probably going to, and I talked to Tom about this last week, I'm probably going to, even though the lacks are going to be here n- next Sunday, I'll pro- I'm going to go back to this. Even the next week and probably the following week because this is so important Uh, The messages that we're sharing here out of 1st Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're at And if you have a Bible with you today, you can go ahead and go to 1st Corinthians chapter 12 today if you'd like And uh, I'll be showing it on the screen as well. We got a lot of scripture to go over today There's a lot I want to try to pack into today and um, but I, I took two days. I changed my schedule this week because I really felt like the Lord wanted me to get away for prayer. And I appreciate those who were willing to change their schedules around. I couldn't get where I needed to go on when it was available, but I did a prayer retreat and just really got away from, with the Lord and uh, sought some direction from God. And so um, I'm not going to feel pressure to get this message done. One of the things the Lord told me is just rest. Rest in what I've put in your heart. And trust that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. <clears throat> and so I'm not going to worry about if I get done today or, or anything. I'm just going to enjoy giving you what I, the Lord's been putting in my heart. And so uh, if, if it gets boring for you, then great. Uh, um, but I, I'm just going to have fun with the Word of God today. And I hope you enjoy the word because uh, sometimes we try to just motor through it. And I know we're not even where our reading plan is at the church. We're in Second Corinthians already, and I'm going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Hey, that's just like the Spirit of God. He does all kinds of things different, right? And I'd love that about New Covenant. Change is not a problem here. Hey, if the wind blows here, yep, let's do it, okay? But uh, sometimes the Lord wants structure, and, I, and sometimes he just wants you to, to go with what he's saying. And so I'm going with what he's saying. You guys cool with that? And if you weren't here last week, I'm gonna give a shorter, a shorter briefing because there's several people that are here are here that weren't here last week and even the week before. This has kind of been building, but <clears throat> this is uh, the message is titled All Hands on Deck, part two. And so we've been talking about God used this metaphor uh, where he compared the church to a ship, and the prophetic team shared uh, with the, the the leadership back in January. Uh, this word, and, and I began to break that word down last week, all hands on deck. And we started talking about how each of us have a role. And really the, the line in the prophetic word uh, that, that really stuck out was um, like a ship, everyone has their job to do to allow the ship to function in its full capacity. And so, he, again, God's using this metaphor of the, of the church being a ship. And, and in a lot of ways, Jesus is the ship and 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 we're in the ship and we're owning the jo- we're doing jobs and roles and responsibilities in order to advance the kingdom of heaven on the earth amen thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and god uses the church as a tool as a, a as his body it's actually his body we are the body of Christ and the body and the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, that we need each other in order to, to fulfill the mission and the call that God has placed on this house and the body of Christ. And we have to link arms with other churches in order to fulfill the mission of bringing to Jesus Christ an inheritance, a people who are passionate lovers of God, who are people who are, who are in love with Jesus Christ, and there's other sons and daughters. I mean, I think of Charlene. She's got children. We are believing for. There are prodigals who are away from the Lord. We have people, our neighbors. There are people to the north, south, east, and west, people who need to know Jesus, right? And we are the body where we're to bring the presence of Jesus that's in us, and we're to bring it to the community. Can I have an amen? Where we're to be working together. When we're working, when we're at school, everywhere we go, we are bringing the presence of God that is inside of us, and we're bringing it and representing Jesus to the community. And that's why we got to get our lives that are jacked up, and and we got to surrender them to the Lordship of Christ so that people actually see Jesus through us. Isn't that a good thing? they don't see the world, they actually see Jesus in us, right? They don't see bitterness and, and, and resentment. They don't see uh, you're, you're a hypocrite, but they actually see the presence, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in you and through you. And so we want to represent Jesus. We are the body of Christ. Amen? And so the, the new covenant, to function in her full capacity, you and I have a role to play, a job to do. And, to, it's, and for me, this is just so exciting to think that the Lord of glory The King of Kings wants to co-labor with us. That is so exciting that we actually get to participate in what what God wants to do in the earth. Does that not excite anybody? It's not a job. It's not a thing where it's like, okay, I gotta go to church and do. No, we we are privileged to co-labor with our Lord. Amen. And we're not individuals doing our own thing. We're the body of Christ. Our identity is set as sons and daughters of the Lord. And we are passionately in love with Jesus. And we are working together to accomplish his mission. And I praise God. And so I kind of had a play on words last week. And I I just said, well, what kind of ship are we going to be? Do you guys remember that? What kind of ship? Are we going to be? Because God, again, he's given us a metaphor that we're a ship. And I kind of did a play on words, and I said, are we going to be what kind of ship? And I asked that question, what kind of ship are we going to be? Are we going to be a disciple ship where we disciple people and we teach them to obey all that the word says to do? And we, and we disciple people. Are we going to work together to disciple people? Is that kind of the ship we're going to be? I also talked about a warship with guns. Boom, 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 boom. Spiritual warfare and prayer is how we, we do spiritual warfare here at church. Amen? We do. We, there is a spiritual warfare, and we can be a warship, and we can help set people free from demonic oppression and emotional healing. And I think of you know what Shelly and Megan and the team is going to be doing with the women's recovery. We need to rescue people out of drugs and alcohol, don't we? and out of life controlling issues. We can be a rescue ship. We also talked about, that's a warship. We talked about a the worship, what we just did, W-O-R, worship. Are we going to give Jesus? Are we going to work together to give Jesus what he deserves in our worship? Today was wild, right? We, we enjoyed worshiping and giving honor to the Lord. And when we give honor to the Lord, what happens? The manifestations of the Spirit begin to operate. We feel edified. We built up. People return to the Lord. Strongholds come off people and we, because we're bringing glory to the Lord, right? And so worship, discipleship. Worship. And one I forgot. And oh, and then there's the rescue ship, the salvation ship. Are we going to work together to bring salvation to the lost around us? Are we going to be a rescue ship and bring the lost to Jesus Christ? There's a lot of ships that we need to be, right? Everybody say ship. We need to shift into the ship. (laughs) But one, I appreciated John Mock. He's one of the new families at New Covenant. If you haven't gotten to meet him, I don't know if he's here. I didn't see him. But he, he texted me this week, and I really appreciated the text. He, re, he was thanking me for the message. But he said, man, he said, one of the other ships that we need to be is a relationship. Mm. I was like, dang, I missed that one. Good one, John. And I got to meditating on that. It's like, yeah, relationship vertically first. Jesus that we have to be a people so plugged in to Jesus and relationship with him. But we also got to be in relationship with each other. We have to be tight in our relationships. Because a ship, man, You, I, there's things in, in, in the spirit and when we're operating, there are things I know Tom Preble's going to do because I'm in relationship with him. It's like, I already know where we're moving. You know what I'm saying? Because we're connected and we need to be connected relationally in relationship. Everybody say amen on that. So we need to be devoted to Jesus and each other. And I played with us a little bit too, and I said, what kind of ship do we not want to be? You guys remember that? We don't want to be a cruise ship. (laughs) The church cannot be a cruise ship where we just come and we eat and feast and everybody's serving us and we don't work, we don't do anything. We just come in and go, hey, I'm on a cruise, man. Give me some guys' burgers and give me some stuff yourself, right? No, we don't want to be a cruise ship. So, because on a cruise ship, there's no work, there's no job, there's no coming together to do what the mission is. Amen? So the conclusion from last week was all all hands on deck, that every one of us have a role and responsibility that led us into going into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go through four scriptures today, and I'm going to make a list of all the gifts that Paul brings out in all these four different scriptures, because I gave you those scriptures last week, and now we're going to kind of hit them, and I'm going to hit them fast, and I'm going to begin to start talking about the gifts of the Spirit and I'm no way in shape or form going to get to them. But I want us to identify the spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about, but I also want us to help understand that each of us have a spiritual gift. Each of us have been given things, endued by power, by the Spirit of God, to be a gift to the body of Christ, to be part of the ship that helps the ship move forward. Amen? Amen? And so if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read uh, this passage about the the gifts of the Spirit. Now, before I read this, I want you to understand that if you go into verse 1, Paul says now about spiritual gifts. And he says that because they had asked him about spiritual gifts. If you remember as we did the study through 1 Corinthians, now about um, food sacrificed to idols. Now about uh, widows and virgins. Now about... And um, and he went through all these things about these things that the church had questions about. And Paul says in the very beginning of chapter 12, he goes, and about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. And you know what? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be ignorant. And so I've slowed this down, this message, because even though we are a charismatic church that believes in the gifts of the spirit, there are some times where we get out of balance. And there's things that we need to know, and Paul begins to share in chapters 12, 13, and 14 to bring correction to the church, because in Corinth, that is the beautiful thing about Corinth, even though they were prideful and even though there was a lot of correction that needed to be taken place, they had the gifts of the Spirit moving in their services and in their meetings. And Paul had to correct how they were being operated and how they were being used. But it, I, I want us as a church, because one of the prophecies that have been spoken over this church is that we were going to be theologically sound as a people. And so I want to do some teaching today on on these things because I want you to be able to teach this yourself. I want you to be able to know what the Bible says so that when somebody asks you a question, you know where to go in the Bible, and you don't say, hey, I need to have you talk to my pastor. I'll let him tell you where it's at. What What does Matthew 28 say? That we're all called to what? Go into the world and what? Proclaim the gospel, right? To make disciples of all the nations, right? Right. To baptize them in the name of the what? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are all to do it. It's why people, I'm not the only one that does water baptisms around here. And that we're all supposed to teach the disciples, the people we help convert to to Christ, that we're all supposed to teach them and and to teach them to obey the word of God. And so we got to know this stuff. we got to know why we believe what we believe so that we can tell others about it. Say, that's me. That's me. me. I'm going to tell others about it. Amen. So let's read this. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Everybody say common good. good. You're going to need to know that later, and we'll get to it. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, word of wisdom. To another, message of knowledge, word of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, which happened today, and to still another interpretation of tongues, which happened today. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he, everybody say he, Distributes them to each one just as he determines, <clears throat> and as you could tell, me and Michelle, we were going back and forth with the gift, the the t- tongue that came forward, and we were trying to discern the interpretation of that and who had the interpretation and what people were sensing from the spirit. <clears throat> and I'm thankful, even though it can be very messy, I am so thankful for the gifts of the spirit. Anybody else? Now. Before I break these gifts down and start talking about them, it's really, really important for you guys to realize that there are two camps and two doctrines when it comes to the manifestations of the Spirit that we're listing here. And I want you to understand that. And I hope you have a notepad or you put it in your phone. There are some notes I'd like for you to take. Excuse me about these two different doctrines. And so in the body of Christ, there are two belief systems or two ways of believing, and really there's more. These are the two main things, excuse me. And there are two opposing doctrines, and one is cessationism, and two is continuationism. Now those are two fancy words that you're gonna struggle with, and I still struggle to say cessationist, Correctly, every time it comes up, I don't know why, but I do. <clears throat> but you're going to run across people who do not believe like you. Right. Anybody had any? Yeah. Me too. And we're to love and not cause division, right? right? But there are two camps, two theological beliefs concerning the spiritual gifts that we just read. Those who believe those gifts still are in operation, and that they still exist, and those who do not believe that they exist any longer. As you can tell by the word cessationist, ceased, it's where we get our word ceased, they believe the gifts have ceased, and continuationist are those who believe the gifts of the Spirit have continued, and they are continuing to this day in the body of Christ. And there are even two extremes to these, these two camps, The the extreme on the sensationalism side is that there are many who come and say that if you believe they exist, you're actually, and you operate them, you're actually demonic. There are actually people who have been kicked out of churches in this sanctuary. There are people who have been kicked out of denominations and said, don't come back anymore because they believe they stopped. And so it is a hot, everybody say hot. Hot topic in the body of Christ. And so there's an extreme on the sensationism side, and there's also an extreme on the continuation side, and I would call it sensationalism, where we've sensationalized the gifts, and there's an extreme on the other side. And I'll talk a little bit about that, only because I want us to be balanced, and I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But I want you to know what you believe and why you believe it. I want you to know what you believe and why you believe it. I want you to know what you believe and why you believe it. Amen. Amen. Don't take Eric's word. For it, be a Berean and go to the word and discover it, know it, have these scriptures memorized so that when they, it comes and you're helping someone, you can help, actually help somebody get filled with the Holy Spirit and, 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 and move forward in the gifts of the Spirit instead of keeping them from them. Because again, it's for the common good. Everybody say common good. Okay, so we must be theologically sound, amen. So, cessationism. This is the doctrine that the gifts have stopped or ceased. The gifts are no longer in use. That the gifts were a part of the apostolic age to establish the church. And since the church got established with the apostles, the 12 apostles, and since the apostles have died and that there has been the the scriptures, the canonization of the word, they do not believe that these gifts are in operation now. Now, why do they believe this? <clears throat> why do they believe that the gifts of the Spirit have stopped? And why do they believe that since the apostles have died and they had read, they've written the Scripture, why do they believe this? <clears throat> because ultimately, sensationists believe that since we have now the Scriptures, we have the canon of the Word, that that is why we do not need these inferior gifts of tongues interpretation of tongues tongues prophecy words of knowledge these gifts of the spirit were listed that they're not any longer needed to build up the church they're not no longer needed and and the basis for why they believe this is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13:8 so it's important for you guys to know the scripture Because this is the very next chapter that we're going to go. And this is the love chapter. Everybody say the love chapter. Because Paul brings correction in 12 and in 14 when it comes to the Spirit. And the way you keep them solid and balanced is if you walk in love. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, this is where the sensationists believe they stop. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. That's the NIV. The King James says it like this. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Well, sensationists believe the perfection that has come is the canonization of the word of God they believe that now because we have the bible that it is the bible that is all that you need now there are other arguments within the cessationism doctrine i'm this is the main their main point is that because we have the word of god <clears throat> perfection has come <clears throat> and we no longer need the gifts of the spirit that when and so it's very important to, and I've underlined them, when completeness comes or when that which is perfect has come, what, what they mean and what does a sensationist believe? They believe, again, that the Bible is perfected and it is with us. And when it has come, referring to the event, they, we, they believe that it, it, it is what is, has come. That Christ came, his apostles came. And they brought the word of God, and because they brought the word of God, that now those things cease. Are you guys with me? Now, I realize that theologically, and I've done a lot of studying this week, around the word when completeness comes and when perfection has come. And... I've jumped down to my notes. Sorry, I've lost my place. We realize that perfection to come. Sorry, I've really lost my place. Get it back. Bring her back, Eric. Bring her back. In Jesus' name. All right. Collect my thoughts. So with sensationism, I don't know how they've arrived at. The completeness coming and the perfection has coming, how that is actually the canonization of scripture. I did a lot of studying, I looked a lot online, even on what sensationists believe. But I see in the Word of God that that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in the Greek word for completion and the Greek word for perfection, but there is something about I think the charismatic movement, if you might say, cessationism really rejects, is I think it's because of the, the out of balance part of the charismatic movement. I think because there's some out, out of balanceness to the charismatic movement that I think a lot of sensationists really reject it even because of that. Because it gets very, very messy. But at any rate, back to the sensationists. They believe that the gifts are no longer needed to, be, to mature the body of Christ. And so if you look at these words, the Greek word here for completeness or perfection is the Greek word teleos. And this word means to perfect, it means perfect or mature, being complete and without defect, full grown, without spot or blemish, having reached its end, finished and complete. Now, I don't know about you, what do those terms right there mean to you, being complete and without defect? What scripture does it remind you of? Does anything come up in you about how the body of Christ is to be complete, mature and lacking nothing, that we will have no spot or wrinkle? What? the bride of Christ, that we're being perfected, we're being matured. But when will we actually be matured? When Jesus returns or when you die. That actually the scripture is referring not to the perfection of the word of God, but it's actually talking about when Jesus Christ comes and the bride is perfected. That actually this is the basis of what continuationism is, is that Jesus Christ is the one, he is the perfect one that comes to perfect us, Amen. to mature us, to make us a people without spot or wrinkle. I don't know about you, but I see how the gifts of the spirit actually help us to mature. Many people say that if you have all spirit and no word, you, 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 you blow up. And if you have both the Spirit and the Word, you grow up. Because we need the Spirit of God. We need the power of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit. But that's why we believe this. The context of the Scripture in 1 Corinthians from the very beginning, as we've went through chapters 1, now we're in chapter 13, the context of the whole book of the Bible is about maturing the church in Corinth is it not? He is correcting things. He's teaching them. He's admonishing. He's correcting their belief system. And now he's correcting their belief system when it comes to the manifestations of the spirit so that they will mature. He's saying it's for the common good that you might all be milked up, edified, strengthened in your inner man. And that's what the gifts of the Spirit do. They edify, they build up, they are to produce something. If we get loud and get excited about Jesus, but there's no growing up, there's no, nothing happening, we're just being loud. Because we're not producing something. The gifts of the Spirit will produce something in you to mature you, to move you down the road, to move this church down the road. because they're given for the common good. And that word common good is to be profitable to all, to achieve a particular end, to advance, to bring together, to make useful. So spiritual gifts are for the edification, exhortation and comfort of the people of God to build up the body of Christ. And charismatics believe the spiritual gifts are necessary to build up and mature the church to complete our mission and to fulfill the great commission. We need the supernatural gifts to grow up. Telios to mature. So continuationists believe that when the scripture is talking about when the perfect comes, it is literally talking about Jesus's second coming or when you go to be with Jesus, that you're perfected. And so there's this perpetuity of the gifts that they continue on until the Lord's return. That's what we believe as a church. That's where we stand. That's camp number two. So if you're here, that's why we believe that. So continuationists believe the gifts have continued to help move the church forward into maturity and to accomplishing the mission. Are you guys good with that? Amen. So that's the two things, cessationism and continuationism. I wanted to teach that before we get into the gifts of the Spirit, because if you don't know why you believe that, I promise you when you're getting ready to go into these, these, these gifts of the Spirit, you know, if you don't believe they're for you or you don't want them, that's why Paul says you need to eagerly desire them. And I think what we do in the body of Christ, especially in the charismatic, oh, we see a few of them happening, but I don't I don't need that. Let them do it. No, we need everybody hitting on all eight cylinders. Amen. And one of the things that I think is important about this scripture too, that I did leave out, is that this, this is really talking about in the context of of our meetings together, our small groups, that when the body of Christ come together, the manifestations of the Spirit, this is how how they operate. So, the one thing I want to say as I get ready to move into this is that gifts are not the end and of themselves. We are to eagerly desire the gifts. Gifts are not to edify you or to make you feel Better about yourself or to make you feel like you're higher in the kingdom. They are gifts. They're not based upon you uh, being mature. I mean, there's immature people who operate in the gifts of the spirit. It's a gift. It's it, You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be far enough along to get it. They're gifts. Everybody say gifts. gifts. Just like what Brett said. He has gifts for us that we're to unwrap. But as I said earlier, in the charismatic movement, there have been extremes. And some people have become sensationalists. And sensationalists are not happy until people go crazy and get weird. They believe the Spirit is not moving unless there are demonstrations of the Spirit in every service. And I want to remind us that here at New Covenant... There are times where the things of the Spirit move, and there are times where there are no manifestations of the Spirit. And it should be as the Spirit of God determines it, not us. We can't stir it up. We can't make it happen. We have to bring ourselves before the Lord. We have to honor Him. We have to worship Him. And He begins to, in that that environment of worship and coming together, He begins. It's like popcorns. Things begin to move in the Spirit, and things begin to happen. Amen? But it's not us. We can't, you can't work it up make it happen. Right. <laughs> and I know many have tried. But they're gifts. And I don't want to make a bunch of noise. I want to, when the manifestations come, it's just like this morning. There is an edification and a building up of the body with that tongue and interpretation of tongue. We should all be different this morning because of that tongue and interpretation of tongues. That the Lord was calling out to us that he has something for us. That he's still moving by the wind of his spirit. And he has gifts to bring us and that we need to want and desire him in that. Amen? So, with that, now we're going to get to the gifts. Everybody say now to the gifts. Now, Now, there's a lot of, um, there's about 20 or 21, 18 to 21 gifts that I'm getting ready to go through and give to you. There's some double dipping that I know is is there, but we're, I'm just going to list them as they're said in the scriptures, and we'll sort it all out later, okay? And I'm going to give attention just to two today, believe it or not, if I get that far. Whew, yeah. So, let's read. I'm not going to read this. Okay, so we need balance. Did that. I'm not going to read this again, but this is the scripture where it starts to name nine gifts. And here are the nine gifts that are listed in that scripture. The word of knowledge, or excuse me, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Here's where we concentrate mainly here at this church. We, what, we see the word of knowledge, and we see gifts of healing, miracles sometimes, uh, but prophecy Tongues and interpretation of tongues. What I want to say is we need all nine of those operating in the church. Can I have an amen on that? Okay. If we're going to be a church of the gifts of the, and the manifestations of the Spirit, we want to see them all, right? We need to mature in them all. There's a whole lot more than just tongues and interpretation of tongues. Can I have an amen? There's more than just m- Prophecy. But these are nine of the manifestations of the Spirit. Now, what I would say, these are manifestations, supernatural manifestations, supernatural gifts. They are not natural gifts, talents, and things that you have by nature. This is not your talents. It's not your traits. They're supernatural. These gifts are in context to our services, small groups, and being together when believers meet together. Now, what we're going to do, there's nine. Now, we're going to drop down... If you're in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, now drop, and we were just at uh, verse 8, was it, right? 7 through 11. Now we're going to drop down to 28. And now, Paul, he begins to describe more gifts of the Spirit. We read this last week. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles as a gift, Second, prophets is a gift. Third, teachers is a gift. Then miracles, that's repeated. Then gifts of healing, that's repeated. Of helping, that's a new one. Of guidance, that's a new one. And of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts? So now we have, in this passage here... we have miracles healing tongues and interpretation that are repeated but now he mentions another five more gifts so now we got 10 11 12 13 and 14 we have apostles prophets teachers helping and guidance you guys got that five more gifts from that passage in verse 28 now we're going to jump to ephesians 5 or Ephesians 4 excuse me and we're going to read this passage now he begins to bring some more in on the scene of other gifts, because there's basically four scriptures that talk about and list gifts. Now, I believe there's probably more, but these are the ones Paul actually lists. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Realize why I'm getting all frustrated is I feel pressure to get done. Gosh, I need to let that go. There's a lot to cover. So here's more gifts out of Ephesians 4.11. And what is repeated again? Apostles are pro- repeated again. Prophets are repeated again. And teachers are repeated. And now we have two more gifts. What are those? The pastor and the evangelist. So now we have two more Gifts that are added to our list. So now we have pastors with 15 and evangelists 16. I'm going to keep moving. Now what's interesting is sensationists believe in three of these gifts, but they don't believe in all five. Guess which ones the cessationists don't believe in? Apostles and prophets. They believe that there are no more apostles and that there are no more prophets. That they died with the apostles And that there's no more of them. They only believe in the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. How convenient. But because that viewpoint of that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, that's why they believe it. They believe the apostles have been done away with. I don't know how they deal with Agabus who was not an apostle or a prophet. He was a prophet. I don't know how they deal with the other, the the four daughters who were prophets in the New Testament. There's just so many passages that conflict with it. I don't know how they get her away with it, but they don't believe prophets and, and apostles continue. So we have two more gifts, apostles and evangelists. Now, special note here on this passage, and we'll go back to it. Notice what I underlined, become mature. Guess what word that is? Telios. The one that we did back here. Ah, way back. Telios, the word perfect or mature, being complete and without effect. Paul again is using this word telios, and he's using it now, the interpreters use the word mature in this passage. But it's the exact same word about you and I, the body of Christ, becoming mature. That the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, those fivefold gifts are to the church. They're gifts. I'm one of them. I'm a pastor. I'm a gift. It's a gift that keeps on giving. I don't have to work it up. I don't have to make it happen. It is a grace gift that... It just happens. I can't even explain it. It blows me away what God does with the gift. But the five-fold ministry is to help us become mature. It's that Greek word again to become perfect or to become complete perfection. So let's go on to more gifts. Just wanted to point that out. Again, that's kind of a sensationist jab, if you might say, because, again, it shows that the the Bible is talking about the body of Christ becoming mature when Jesus Christ returns. It puts the whole Bible in context, but we won't go there. Just giving you a little more on it. So here are two more gifts, the pastors and evangelists. Now let's look at more by the next passage. Now we're going to go to Romans 12, 4 through 8. For just as each of us has one body with many members... That's the ship connotation, right? And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Wow, did you know you belong to each other? You can't just be out on your own. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. In accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Wow, we have more gifts of the Spirit. Do you notice that prophecy teaching is repeated again? But now he's adding five. What I think it's interesting is that prophecy is in all of these scriptures. And what gift did Paul say? I, I, I desire that you all prophesy. Right. Right. Yep. He, why? Because prophecy is not, not only is it telling the future, or forth tell, but it's forth telling also. And it's declaring the word of the Lord for people to edify them, encourage them, and build them up. Because all these gifts are to build the church up. Everybody say, that all these gifts are to build the church up. Now, I realize that the gift of tongues, your your private language, is for your edification. That's one gift that's to edify you. That's why we, in our quiet times, we pray in a heavenly language. That's to edify us and to build us up in our man. And then there's the gift of tongues that is for, for the demonstration within the service where it requires an interpretation. And we'll read 1 Corinthians 14 to get more into that. So here we have 21. And what I've done is I've broken it all down into 21. And and, and here's really what what boils down to leadership, administration, and guidance. Uh, Many people believe those are all under leadership. And so some of these may be double dipping, but I'm really not going to worry about it right now. That's not the context of, of what I'm trying to do. All of these gifts... And Sam has agreed to do a gift assessment. And the gift assessment that we do here at the church, they encompass all these gifts by you asking questions about whether you've done this or done that. It just helps you kind of get a general idea as to how God has gifted you. So I'd encourage you uh, to do that gift assessment and begin to, because we're wanting to help people identify the gifts so that they know how they're to be a part of the ship and moving this ship forward. So that's about 21 gifts, we'll say right there. And what you notice is these gifts, if you really want to break them down, you can break them down into three groups. Speaking gifts, serving gifts, and sign gifts. And guess what? You're not going to be all of them. God may use you in all of them at some point in time. It is, it, it, this passage is, in what Paul's bringing correction, is in your service. Because in chapter, the chapter just before, in chapter 11, what was he doing? He was correcting them for taking communion incorrectly and not honoring the body of Christ. And so it, it, it's in the context of meeting together. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to now jump into two gifts and try to land the plane. I'm going to do just one and two. Now, I will spend more time on these two today. And the reason I'm doing that is there's not a whole lot of scriptures that talk about the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, miracles, all that kind of stuff. There's a whole lot more scriptures that tell you how they operate within a church service or in a small group or when you're meeting with other Christians. These gifts are really for the edification of the, of the body of Christ. Yes, there is an application of evangelism and reaching other people outside the, uh, outside the church. There, that, there is definitely an application in that. But in this passage of where he's talking, he's, back, he's talking about their public assembly. So let's go to the gift of wisdom. This is the word of wisdom is God supernaturally speaks a word through an individual, his wisdom for a particular situation. So in a service, in a small group, or in council where you're meeting with somebody, you're a believer, there is this this word of wisdom gift that happens where God speaks to someone a word for someone else supernaturally, and it's wisdom for a particular situation of what they're going through or what they need or where the church is going or where, but it gives wisdom for a particular situation. Everybody say particular situation. Now, I am not talking about general wisdom here. All of us have wisdom. Matter of fact, James says, if any man lacks wisdom, he should what? Ask, and he will receive what? Wisdom, because God gives generously without finding fault. He will give wisdom. So we, I'm not talking about wisdom that we can all have. I'm not talking about the wisdom that I have, that I've learned through education, uh, through books, through, through knowledge or experience. I mean, I can give you some real good wisdom when it comes to finances. I can give you great wisdom when it comes to mortgages and all that kind of stuff from my past. That, that, that's not the wisdom we're talking about here, right? right? We're talking about a supernatural wisdom coming from the Spirit of God that a word. And I'm going to give you some examples in the Word of God of where this operated because there's nothing in the Bible that says when, when you're operating in wisdom, you do this. Like in 1 Corinthians 14, if you're uh, talking about tongues, it tells you how to operate in tongues, what to do and what not to do. And you need to read that because it says keep your tongue quiet and keep it to yourself if it's not for the public, de- public building up of the whole church. But we won't go there. That's a whole other thing. So, Are you guys still with me? Everybody take a deep breath. A word of wisdom can come in a service, but here's the example out of Acts 23, verse 6, with Paul. Oops, wrong one. That's right, I wasn't going to read it. I was going to read the passage to you. This is where Paul has been arrested for declaring the good news. Okay? Okay. He is brought before the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Who are they? They are the religious rulers. The Sanhedrin is the religious rulers and the the court. And he's being brought before the court for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's being interrogated by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're getting ready to throw him in jail And to shut him up, because they don't like what he's saying. And Paul gets a word of wisdom. He gets a word that he speaks, and this is the word he speaks. I am a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection. And you think, how is that a word of wisdom? Paul, it says in that scripture, he perceived that they were Pharisees and they were Sadducees. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So what Paul does with this word of knowledge, and he says this word, they begin, and it says it was almost like a riot. The Pharisees and the Sadducees start arguing. And they start, it it, it gets really, really hefty. And the Pharisees in their pride and the Sadducees pride, they're fighting between each other. Now Paul's not even the issue. Paul actually gets released. They actually say, hey, I, we see no charge to charge him. And they release Paul because of what? Because a word that the Lord put in him that he perceived what was going on. He perceived in the spirit and he said what the Holy Spirit said said to him, Jesus promised us the same thing, that when we would be arrested, look at this, but when you, they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it, at that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you that's just what happened the word of wisdom a word Acts six ten. I didn't put it up there either. That's right. That's why I don't have it in my notes. With Stephen, he is also arrested. And they say, to, they say about Stephen, this is what they said in Acts 6.10, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. See, what I find that a lot of times the manifestation of wisdom comes when we are defending our faith. And I think sometimes in America, we are not defending our faith because we're not persecuted like they were back then. But there is cases in the service and in our lives that I've seen wisdom manifest in a service. There has been times when myself or Tom or someone is preaching up here and there is an obvious word of wisdom that comes out of their mouth that wasn't them. There's times where I've been in counseling or I've been helping people, guide people. I cannot tell you how many times this has happened. Karen and I will be in a session helping some people, helping them move the ball down the field. And there'll be this word of wisdom that comes to me and I'll share what God puts on my heart. And and it's like, wow, the light bulb comes on to them and they know what they're supposed to do. It's not like I've told them what to do. And it's funny, they'll leave and Karen will go, The wisdom that just came out of you, I I just can't, she goes, that was amazing. I go, I know, I am not that good. (laughs) And it is, it's like there's this word of wisdom that just pops into your head and it's like, you know what to say at the right time. That's the word of wisdom. God supernaturally speaks a word through you and it needs to be here in the church. And there's times where it does happen. But it's not as often as we see it. But that's what the word of wisdom is. How many want that gift? Amen. There are times when I, I see it happen spontaneously. But it ultimately, the word of wisdom, again, what is the phrase we said earlier for the common good? What should it do? It should help people move the ball down the court. It should edify them. It should build them up. It's like faith should come in and they know what to do. You see what I'm saying? If, if, if it doesn't edify, if it doesn't help the person, my guess is it's not a word of wisdom, it's a word from you. But it should produce life. Everybody say it should produce life. That's a quick one on the word of wisdom. Okay, one more for today, and then we're going to land the plane. <clears throat> this is about the word of knowledge. Now, I probably shouldn't have showed that yet. What is the word of knowledge? The word of knowledge is to declare knowledge that could not have been known by you. Supernaturally, God gives you, you know something that you shouldn't know. I know a lot of you have had that gift. I don't know, I shouldn't know this, but I know it. When somebody walks into the room, you know something that you shouldn't know. Anybody ever had that? This is an example where Paul had it. Paul is imprisoned on a ship. He has been arrested in Jerusalem. Paul is now traveling from Jerusalem to Rome. He's in a ship. It's going to take a long time to get there. They're hoping to to weather or to, to winter on a certain island. And Paul has this thing come up inside of him. He says this So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives. He had a knowledge that the ship, would not make it what's really wild he said even our own lives but in verse 22 it drops down of chapter 27 he says this another word of knowledge he says, "Keep your courage, because not only not one of you will be lost; only the ship will be destroyed." Last night, an angel of the of the God to whom I serve, to whom I belong, and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, "Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you." That is a word of knowledge. Paul couldn't have known that by his own knowledge. He was on the boat, he was a passenger, he was in chains, he was shackled, the Spirit of God, and obviously the angel came and spoke to him about that. He gave him knowledge that he did not have himself. Acts 5, do you guys remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? I didn't put the scripture down because it's so long, I want to summarize it quickly. Ananias and Sapphira had sold a piece of property and they given it to the church he went to Peter, he gives the property, all the money to the, to, to, to the church, and what does Peter ask him? Is this, all the money? Is this all the money? Peter had a word of knowledge that Ananias and Sapphira were lying to him. You guys remember what happened to Ananias? Yes. <laughs> wow, doesn't sound like that was common good to me. Dang, dead ain't common good. What common good came out of that? A fear of the Lord seized the body of Christ, and the body of Christ came together, and the body of Christ was compelled through that that miracle and through that word of knowledge. And not only was the word of knowledge happened, there was other miracles that happened at that time. There's always a purpose for a word of knowledge or wisdom or any of these gifts. How about Jesus with Nathaniel? Did anybody see the chosen? Yeah. Does anybody remember the scene with Nathaniel? I love it. Philip had went to Nathaniel and said, "Philip." Philip went to Nathaniel and said, "Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. We found the Messiah." And he, Philip and Nathaniel are underneath this fig tree, and trying he's trying to get uh, to fill, uh, Nathaniel to come follow Jesus. And what's Nathaniel say? Can anything good come from Nazareth? So they walk off. Philip and Nathanael had had a private conversation under a fig tree. Then Jesus comes on the scene. Ah, and what does Jesus say to Nathaniel? Nathanael? Nathanael, Nathanael, a true Israelite without guile, without deceit. And what does Nathanael say? How do you know me? I saw you under the fig tree. What did that word of knowledge do for Nathaniel. Made him believe. He believed and he began to follow. Do you see the pattern that the word, the manifestations of the spirit are all for the common good? There's a change that should take place. The manifestations of the spirit mature and edify the church. It builds us up. Something should change. Something should move down the court with a manifestation of the spirit. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. That's a word of knowledge. Now, I remember back in 2014 in this church, it was in January of 2014. Braxton, how old are you now? where do you go? He went home. Braxton, shame, shame, shame. You went home. Braxton was five years old. My son was paralyzed. Joel was paralyzed and in a wheelchair. Braxton, cocky five-year-old, comes and kicks Joel in his wheelchair. Boom. You're going to walk on a Thursday. Word of knowledge. Joel said, what, 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 what? What did you say? you're going to walk on Thursday. How do you know that? Well, mom and I were praying at the kitchen table and spirit of God told me you were going to walk on Thursday. <laughs> Joel had had a prophetic dream that on J 23, he would walk. Now what happens is Joel faith, gift of faith comes up in Joel from the word of knowledge from a five-year-old. Then I have a dream Faith rises, and what happens? Joel has a miracle, and he gets his legs back. The word of knowledge produced what? Faith, Faith, edification, built Joel up, and it totally changed the trajectory of Joel's life. And now he's what? Coming here, and he's going to be youth pastor here. It's exciting, right? But again, the word of knowledge in a five-year-old brought life to a 21-year-old who was in despair. Last week we had a word of knowledge that someone was suicidal and God was wanting to break that spirit of death off of them. I knew what was going on because I was behind the scenes. I couldn't give that word of knowledge because I knew, right? What's that word of knowledge do? Breaks that spirit of death off that person so that they can go another day and not quit and not give up and push in on the will and the purpose of God. That's how a word of knowledge works. Look at the change that came to these people's lives through just these two spiritual gifts in operation. Paul was released from prison and allowed to preach the gospel. There was a purpose for the gift. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, there's a purpose behind these gifts. And so that's why I go to Alger all the time. (laughs) Let me know what goes up here. Let me know when there's a word of knowledge and then something takes place. Why? Because I want the whole body of Christ built up. I want the whole body of Christ, the common good of the church. Because what does it do when you see a word of knowledge in a service and then you hear it take place and you know that, it, that someone was healed or delivered? What does it do? Build it builds faith. It increases the atmosphere of God's presence and it increases faith and expectation. So we're not trying to air your laundry for your testimony. We're not trying to get your testimony to try to, oh, prove the new covenant is the greatest thing since sliced bread. No, we're trying to glorify Jesus and we're trying to build up the body of Christ through the manifestations of the gifts of the spirit. Can I have an amen on that? Stand with me. Whew. I kind of got through it. Does that help you understand what the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge is any better? Do you understand the difference between cessationism and continuationism? Yes. Could you repeat that? Yes. What scripture was it? 1 Corinthians chapter? Yes. And where was the cessationist? Why, why do they believe what they believe? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse? Eight. Eight that it's there, they believe that it's ceased because the perfect has come and the canonization of the word and they believe because the canon of the word has taken place, therefore the gifts of the spirit are not in operation anymore. You need to know that, you need to remember it because you're going to come across sensationists and they're going to say you're a hypocrite, heresy, heresy, heresy and you need to know the hope by which you've been called. You need to know why you believe. Now, I'm saying don't get in a hot debate. Most people don't want to know. I mean, if they are staunch Calvinists and they really believe that, they are not going to but I, they're not going to hear you. And it's like, hey, man, I love you. This is just the way I believe. I believe this because of 1 Corinthians. I believe it's because that when the return of Christ comes, we're perfected. And that's what the scripture's talking about. Therefore, I believe the gifts continue. And by the way, thus saith the Lord, I believe the Lord says this to you. That may be how God wants to operate. Who knows? He's a believer. So it's not to argue, it's to love our brothers and sisters. That's why if I get together with another denomination and I know that they don't believe, I'm not going to just smear it in their face and start pr- praying in tongues in front of them. I'm not going to hurt them. Why? Because of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's. it's te- you know, we want to be led by the fruits of the Spirit, right? Amen. We don't want to make division in us and always oh, start by bow tie and she drives a, she drives a Hyundai. We love each other. We love the body of Christ. They just happen to be wrong. (laughs) Love them. So here's our here's our activation point. You might want to take a picture of this. Back in the back, Sam is going to be back there. Oh, he is not here today, is he? Salger is doing it today. Back there on that table against the wall. There are gift assessments. You can take it home and do the gift assessment yourself, or you can come this Tuesday at 7 p.m. here at the church, and Sam will walk you through how to, how to fill out the gift, gift assessment. If you want to know the gifts and you want to know what you may be operating in, you may want to see how the Spirit of God is already working in you because I guarantee you have some of these gifts and you don't even know. They're already operating, and so we want you to understand what they are. I want to encourage you to study this week and learn about the gifts. Go back over these scriptures. I'm going to teach you more in two weeks on it and grow in your understanding of how these gifts work. And then our reading plan, even though we're not there, please keep reading ahead in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and do a here journal on the scripture that God highlights and re- memorize James 1:22. Amen. Let's pray. Father, it's 1202. No. Can't see. 1209. Time is in your hands, God. It belongs to you. A day is like a thousand to you. You are so unlimited in who you are. And Lord, I just want to repent for limiting you sometimes when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. Forgive me, God, even for not eagerly desiring them sometimes, just going through life. God, I pray that you would help this church get back to our roots and our foundations of believing you for the manifestation of your spirit here in the services and when we meet together in small groups. Father, I pray for wisdom and revelation and knowledge to come upon us as a church that we would just do what happened today, Someone feels compelled with a tongue, and then there's an interpretation or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, or maybe a helps or a service or something that needs to be done for a particular situation. God, mature us in the gifts of the Spirit and help us, God, to understand what part of the ship we are so that this ship can fully operate in full capacity that you have for us. Father, we want to honor you. We want to obey you. We want to be in balance. So God, help us in the days ahead as we go into this thing of learning the things of the Spirit. We thank you for it, Father. And we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen.